Thank you so much for taking your valuable time and coming here so that uh, you can listen to this Indian man sharing brief word of uh, encouragement. The beauty of uh, um, teaching is that whether you are black or white or from America or in India, when you open the scripture and speak, you are preaching God's word, isn't it? So the power is not from where you come from, but uh, it is in the word of God. So praise God for this. And uh, <clears throat> in the brief time that we have, I would like to share with you three pillars of unity. Three pillars of unity. Is there any person here who never faced interpersonal conflicts, be it in the family or in the church? Any person here? <laughs> if you are that person, you must be very saintly. We all face uh, interpersonal conflicts. And uh, my context is uh, the church, three pillars of unity in the church, but that applies to uh, the families and other areas. But uh, when the Word of God addresses, it primarily addresses in the context of the church. And I want to assure you that if we take these principles from the Word of God, and apply it to our lives. We will live a life pleasing to God, and not only pleasing to God, but also pleasing to people. And um, we know that according to the Word of God, that church is bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it? It's very precious in the sight of God. Anyone knows uh, where it says that God bought the church by the blood of the Lamb, blood of the Lord Jesus? Anyone? Which chapter? Acts. Very good. Acts. 20. Very good. You're very close. I think, uh, yeah, it was. 15. No. <laughs> no. No. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Where it says that God bought the church by the blood of the Lamb. And we also see that uh, church is not only bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible describes church as what? Can you please throw off some descriptions from the Word of God about what church is? Like the bride of Christ. Very good. The bride of Christ. The body of Christ. Very good. The bride of Christ. The body of Christ. Pillar of truths. Very good. Very good. The living temple of God. Right? The difference between the old and the new is that in the old, uh, God had a temple for his people. But in the new, the people are his temple. That's a beautiful revelation that we see in the word of God. Well done. Anyone else? I would even say it's the Israel of God. The new Israel of God. Very good. There is one more thing you are missing, which is very important. God's? Who said? God's field. Very good. God's field. Yes. Family. Well, that's what I'm looking for. That the church is the family of God. 
the household of God. Anyone know uh, where does it say in the Bible that church is a family of God? Anyone? Yeah, Ephesians is chapter 2, Galatians chapter 6, and also 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, it says that the church is the family of God. Now, this is what we lack in the present day Christendom is that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God becomes our father and we become his children. And that's where people put period. But the Bible goes beyond it. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God becomes our Father, we become His children, and His children become our siblings in the Lord Jesus Christ. And church is the family of God. And we all know how families are, isn't it? All families are beautiful, wonderful, and also ugly and messy. The sad thing is that people only expect the beauty and the wonder of the church when they start attending the church, when they become a part of the church. But what they miss is that, and when they see the ugliness and the messiness in the church, what do people generally do? They leave and join another community, and sooner and later they find out that's the same even there. (laughs) And they keep hopping churches. Hoping, hoping, hoping that they will find a perfect community which they will never. Right? And the Bible confirms that church is not only beautiful and wonderful, but it is a messy community. I would love to um, throw off some scriptures before you. And any one of you can read it, but not the same person. If you read once, please give room for the other person to read. Okay? Now, anyone... Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. What's happening here when you see this scripture? Anyone can read. Yeah, Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Yeah, I'm asking you to read the verse. Please read. Is it 1413, brother? Sorry. Are you testing me? Or? Okay. Yeah. Therefore, yes. how's that? Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of our brother. Right. So, Brother Steve, what is happening here? What are they doing here? I assume they must be putting... Stumbling blocks and passing judgment on each other. Right. So there is a problem here. And what is the problem? They were passing judgment on one another. And in the context we see on minor issues. It's not that we should never judge. But this is not um, necessary to judge. Because it is a very minor issue. Which David to follow? what What food to eat? So they were passing judgment on each other on areas where we can agree to disagree. So that's a problem we see. There is a one another ministry going on, judging one another, which is not a good one another ministry. <laughs> okay? Now there is another verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Is my language clear? Is my Indian accent okay? 
Okay. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 11. Anyone? There is another problem here that we see in the body of Christ. For it has been reported to you by Chloe's people. Right. So, Brother Gerald, am I right in pronouncing your word? It's been a hard time <laughs> keeping the pronunciation. Okay, what's happening here? What is the problem here? So, they, somebody has told Paul that they are fighting. They, they were quarreling. And these are what kind of churches? Apostolic churches. And these problems were happening when apostles existed. In a church, people shouldn't fight, right? People shouldn't be fighting. People shouldn't be judging. But what's happening here? But that's in principle. But practically we see that they were judging and they were quarreling among them. We see another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 20. Any other person can read that. 2 Corinthians chapter. I can read, but I want to involve you so that you can, we all can pay attention to what the Bible says. Holy Bible. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I might find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. <laughs> that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Oh, this is all in the world, brother, right? Going on? <coughs> brother Leaf, all in the world going on? It appears in the world and the church. And, and particularly where it is going on? In the church. In the church. The temple of God, the body of Christ, the family of God, we see. What, is, what are the problems here that we see? There may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit. And disorder. Right? I would like you to turn to another scripture. Galatians chapter 5 verse 15. Galatians chapter 5 verse 15. Anyone can read. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Oh, I think they must be very hungry, right? <laughs> what were they doing? They were biting and devouring one another. And this is happening where? In the church. In the church. And if you see even further, uh, can you also read verse 26? Right. Wow. What is happening here again? We see that they were conceited. Provoking one another, causing each one to become angry, and also envying one another. And where is this happening? Church. In the church. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> Welcome to ARF. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Yep. Not the same person, someone else. You can use your sacred phones to read, no problem. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Wow, this is in an efficient church, not even in Romans church, not even in Corinthian church, Galatian church. This is an efficient church. And what's happening there? There was wrath 
anger, clamor, slander, malice in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear this carefully, dear people. When we live together as a family of God, there will be trouble. And all this is what we see is that the manifestation of the sinful nature. There are some people, you know, uh, they think that uh, I have no problem with anyone. You know, why do you think if they have no problem with anyone, what could be the secret of it? They must be full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? They don't know what did he say, brother? They don't know anyone. Very, very good. <laughs> good answer, brother. They don't know anyone. They have no intimate relationship with anyone. They say that you stay there, I stay here, you safe and me safe. Let us all be happy by maintaining that gap and distance. But if you live together as a family of God, where you build relationship with one another, where you know people, where you draw closer to one another, there will be troubles. So what is the answer for that? Stay away from each other, right? <laughs> and there are people in the church who do that, right? Amen. They come to the church, they think that let us not get close to anyone. Enough of the offense we have received in our lives. Now it's the time for us to stay in safety. So just say hi, bye. That's only two things they learn. Hi, bye. And they just leave. They don't get close to one another. But... Such people will never grow towards spiritual maturity. Now here is the, here is an, uh, okay, let me make applications later. But there is another verse, another Philippian church. It is one of the glorious churches in the Bible, right? <laughs> Philippian church, we see chapter 4, verse 2. Here they were two wonderful women. And what's happening with them? Can anyone read this? Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Yes. Yeah. To agree in the Lord. The problem is they couldn't pronounce each other's names. So <laughs> 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 uh, Yudia and Sintiki or Sintish or whatever it is. We, we see that they were having disagreements. And Paul is pleading with them to agree. In the Lord. So there were problems here. Even we see that in Colossian church. We have seen church in Rome, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. How about Colossians? There must not be any problems here, right? We'll see that in chapter 3, verse 8. Anyone can read chapter 3, verse 8. Yep. Yep. Colossians 3, 8. Wow. They were not even having anger, wrath, malice, slander, but also dirty language, foul, abusive words they were speaking. And he says in verse 13, if you go further, he says that bear with one another. There is another good ministry that is called. What is that? It is not tear one another. It is bear with one another. When do you actually bear with a person? Married people can easily answer. <laughs> when will you bear with a person? I think, I think a part, part of what helps to bear with people 
others, for you remember how the Lord also forgives. Right, exactly. And so I know that kind of remembering that he bears with us kind of right. fills up our wallet and enables us. To right, bear. exactly. What you said is right. But the point is that when there is a necessity to bear, when there is a necessity to bear, when? When someone is wrong. Very good. When there are interpersonal problems. You don't need to bear a person who doesn't cause you problems, right? <laughs> who loves you, who takes care of you, who is very easy, cozy, and uh, wonderful and nice. You don't have to bear. You have to bear with the person who is causing you trouble. And when the Bible says that bear with one another, which means that in the body of Christ, we cause trouble to each other. You know, I remember uh, one wise counselor saying that all of us have problems and all of us are problems. <laughs> we have problems and we cause problems. And if anyone thinks, no, 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 I'm only having a problem, I don't cause any problem, that is the greatest problem. <laughs> okay. James chapter 4, verse 1. Anyone? James chapter 4, verse 1. Yep. I've shown you so many scriptures to convince you that Christ church is not immune to interpersonal problems. James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Mm. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Yeah. What do you see here? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? There were quarrels and fights among the saints of God in this church. And James is telling what is causing them to have fights. It is their sinful passions. right? So what do we learn from all these scriptures that I have shared with you? From uh, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, uh, Colossians and James and uh, Philippians. What do we learn from all this? We learn what? Church is imperfect. Very good. Anyone else? Church is imperfect. And? We have to bear with one another. Yeah. We, uh, just a fact. It's not what we have to do. The fact about what the church is. It's a mess. So, definitely. Church is a <laughs> mess. Right? Anyone else? You want to throw some insights based on what we have learned? Imperfect. Messy. Yeah, we, we should be prepared, right? It's not that a lot of people, when they come for the first time or the second time, we have seen in our church also, they say, wow, what a beautiful community it is. We have never seen a community like this, eating together, talking together, fellowshipping with each other. It's a honeymoon period for them. And then comes what? <laughs> the mess. And once they see the mess... All the words of appreciation will dissolve. And they said that these guys are nuts. These are ugly. ARF is one of the worst churches I have ever been. Isn't it? <laughs> Brother Steve, please talk to him later. <laughs> yes, brother. Yes. Whether it's a mess or not, right. There is no hope in 
Yeah, exactly. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but, but I think when you say that that's where the salvation lies means that's where you are sanctified. Church doesn't save us. Just to be little clarified over there because people should not think that salvation is through the church. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Living out the salvation. Very good. Perfect. I just want to make sure so that no one misunderstands. Yeah. Good point. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. Love is dangerous. And we are all wonderful people and dangerous people. (laughs) Isn't it? Shall we all confess that? We are all wonderful and we are all dangerous. And at the same time, we need each other. We cannot just depart from one another because of the weaknesses that we carry on. And... This is a fact about apostolic churches that we need to understand. But there is one thing, there is one verse, we all know about the context of the Lord's Supper, but I love this verse that many ignore in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. Can someone read that? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. You know, there is something that he speaks here. Conflicts are good. Factions are good. Divisions are also good because you know what? Paul says something about that. 11 verse 19. Anyone can read. There must be factions among you mm-hmm. that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Wow. What an insight it is, right? Yeah. He says that in conflicts, in factions, in divisions, who are recognized? The true, genuine people, the maturity is manifested. Not when everything is going well. The genuine people and those who are really committed people. In other words, what I can say is that the really committed people of the body of Christ are recognized in crisis. There is no, in other words, what you can tell is that crisis is the test of your commitment. Crisis is the test of your genuineness. Crisis is the test of your love for the Lord and love for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. So when it's saying the, the factions, they're saying like kind of like life groups where people get together and do life together and then they're in crisis. That proves the genuineness? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, the context is that uh, the Lord's Supper that was happening there, they were doing that with class discrimination. The rich were coming ahead and they were not waiting for the poor and they were eating ahead and they were not sharing their meals with the poor. So Paul was very upset because the Lord's Supper is a communal meal and they were not living together as a community. There was class discrimination. So he was telling that through this faction, you are showing what kind of people you are. And uh, that is how people are recognized. Yeah. So, so what we need to understand here is that without conflicts, your maturity is not tested. Without conflicts, our genuineness is not tested. Without conflicts, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will never be born in our lives. 
Conflicts are necessary. You know, someone says that, how, could, how will you grow in the fruit of the Spirit if there are no conflicts? You know, what is the very first description of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about what love is? Anyone remember? Who said that? Very good. How, how, will it, how did it begin in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. <laughs> Which means love bears. Your patience is tested. Your maturity is tested. And, and, and people who ignore these conflicts in their lives and try to seek easy ways, they never bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They never become patient. And they never become mature. And how many of you are willing to grow towards spiritual maturity? How many of you? Or maybe, how many of you do not want to be mature? How many of you? What's the benefit? What's the benefit? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> the benefit is no conflict. You will be very safe. But there is no maturity. There is no fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, Conflicts are inevitable and they are necessary for our spiritual maturity and to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the test that we see. So my thing is that I want to argue that I want to present before you three pillars of how to stay together when we face conflicts. Okay, let me quickly share with you these three things. The very first thing that I want to share with you when you face conflicts is this. And it is the first thing is that Honestly sharing your hurt with the person who offended you. In other words, sharing your hurt is very important in order for us to grow towards spiritual maturity. Generally, what are the unbiblical reactions that people in the church today manifest when they receive hurt from anyone? Can you share the unbiblical reactions when they are hurt by others? Separation, right? They just depart. The, the, the interesting thing is that they never give room or opportunity to the person who offended him or her to know what they have done to that person. What an injustice it is. Right? Separation, maybe, maybe a little gossip, put in later on. <laughs> Separation and gossiping. Right? Instead of going to the person, we go to the pers- other person and speak about what this person has done. And what are the other unbiblical reactions? Allowing bitterness to continue to... Bitterness. Exactly. If you don't deal with the conflicts, that becomes the root of bitterness in our hearts. And the devil lays a lot of eggs in the hearts of the people who don't deal with the issues. Any other thoughts on that? Vengeance. Yeah, vengeance. Very good. You did this to me, you pay evil to me, and I pay evil back to you. Right. Leave the church. Yeah, brother said that. Separation. Yeah, maybe uh, not even from the person, sometimes even from the church. From the whole church, they depart. Unbiblical reactions. And some people even, I've seen that because I'm also a shepherd, and I've seen this happening, and that really saddens me because... They appear to be very spiritual. You know what they say? I prayed about it and God told us to, this is a time for us to leave the church and go somewhere. What nonsense is that? How they spiritual? Yes, brother. 
Very good. Because other people don't understand why we're treating them bad. Exactly. Taking, I agree. Taking out that hurt on. That's a very good point. Mis- yeah. Misplaced. Right. Misplaced, rea- misplaced outburst of anger on another person. Sometimes they, must be, they can be family, right? You, you face some from someone else and you throw it on the family. And family are the ones who easily take up the brunt of our anger. Right? That's true. Yeah. And, and spiritualize, as I said that, someone else. Any, any other thoughts that you think? Can lead to apostasy, to bitterness. That is a very important thing, brothers and sisters. It can lead to apostasy, which shows that you are not a really genuine Christian, ultimately. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. What is apostasy? Apostasy, that's a very good question. Falling away from faith. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts? Okay, so that's a very good thing that you have shared. But what, is, what does Bible say when you face problems? Now this is very, and I've seen that very few people doing this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Shall we all read this together? Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Let us all read this together. 3, 2, 1. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If your brother hurts you or causes offense to you, if your sister hurts you or causes offense to you, what should you do? Go and talk to him in private. No gossip. And not even separating from a person, not harboring bitterness, no silent dissolving from the relationship. You know, silent dissolving from the relationship. You know, I, another thing that I want to tell you also, which, uh, uh, which we missed it, hypocrisy. It can lead you to live a hypocritical Christian life, which is you hate the person for what the person has done to you, but you pretend as if everything is okay. <laughs> you say, praise the Lord, hello, hi, how are you doing? And... But you hate the person in the heart because you're not dealing with that, right? So the Bible, and who said these words? Who said these words? The Lord Jesus said these words. You know some people, what they do? They try to act smarter than Jesus. You know how? God will take care of it. I'm not going to deal, I'm not going to deal with that because they're afraid of dealing. Sharing hurt, going and talking to the person is a messy thing, isn't it? First of all, there is a mess in getting hurt. The mess is added even further when you want to go and talk to the person and share your offense. And the easiest way to do is what? Lord, I'm praying about it. You deal with the person. You, you bring change. You bring conviction. What did the Lord Jesus say here? <laughs> if your brother sins against you, did he say that? I will take care of you. You do nothing about it. Did he say that? No, he said that, go and talk to the person. He says, even in Luke chapter 17, verse 3, if your brothers, uh, maybe please turn to the Bible. I think it is good to look into the scripture when it is quoted so that paying attention helps the scripture to sing more in our hearts. Luke chapter 17, verse 3. Can anyone read that? Luke 17, verse 3. There is a beautiful verse. Again here, what does it say? Anyone can read. So watch yourself. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Now, what does it say? If your brother sins, 
rebuke him. In other words, rebuke doesn't mean that you yell at the person, we have a very negative understanding, it means go and show him his fault. Same thing what the Lord Jesus said. Go and correct the person. Share hurt with the person. We also see that the law of Moses also confirms the law of Christ that we see the Lord presented here. We see that in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 17 to 18. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 17 to 18. Let me read this for you. You see here what the law of Moses say, which we see even the Lord Jesus saying that in the New Testament. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Do you see that? If you are offended by your brother, you should not hate him, but go and talk to him, reason with him, share with him, talk with him. And if you don't do that, you are giving opportunity to the devil to really lay some dangerous thoughts. Where does it say? You, you see that it says in, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, can you turn to Ephesians? I remember in what context it says. A lot of people ignore the context when they read this. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we see that in verse 26 and 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Let me read this for you. Or maybe we can all read this together. Okay? 1, 2, 3. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Do you see what it says here? In what context does it say, give no opportunity to the devil? In what context? When you are angry and don't deal with the problem. Isn't it? Hear this carefully. This is a great warning here. If you are hurt and if you are angry and if you don't deal with it, what is happening there? You are allowing the devil to increase this bitterness and cause divisions in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are poison ivies. Dangerous root of bitterness that can ruin the body of Christ if you don't deal with it. So, conflicts are inevitable, but we have to deal with that. Yes, brother? Brother, how do you, uh, like when we go to a person that's offended us, yeah. what, um, I mean, I think it's about Paul saying, would you rather be comfortable with a rod or with love and a gentle spirit? Yeah. I mean, how do, you, how do we approach a person? I mean, obviously, we're in the middle of being irritated. We, I mean, I, I would think we would need to pray and come in humility, right? And, right. And it's, or rebuke seems like a strong word. Yeah. Right. Rebuke him. Yeah. That seems strong to me, but is that... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it just... Yeah, that's a very good word. I have some practical steps also for that. Let me quickly go through it so that since we have less time, I can go to the next one. You can just listen to this. If you want to take note of it, you can take note or... Or else I can, you can ask Brother Steve, I can send the notes to him. These are very extensive. And hear this carefully when it says that um, there are practical steps, how to go. Very good question, brother. Examine the issue whether it is too important. Okay? The Bible says here that Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. We don't have to go for every offense that we face. 
right? We need to see that whether it is too important. Someone just said some very little remark and it is okay to ignore. We don't have to go for every offense that we face. Is it necessary to ignore or is it too important because of which it is causing strain on the relationship? So we need to examine that. Second, examine your locks before picking up specks in others. Jesus said that, examine your own heart before you look into the hearts of other people. Okay, so when others are causing offense to us, is it a reaction or an action? What do I mean by that? Is it because of my action that they are reacting? Or is it because that is their action? We need to examine that. And the third one is that, unless unavoidable... Now here is a very important thing that I want to tell you. Please listen carefully. Never, this is my experience, a lot of mature people say this. They say that never, unless unavoidable, do not confront over phone or email or text messages. That worsens, dear ones. (laughs) And I've seen that how that increases the problem rather than dealing with that. Someone texted and they text back and they texted and they text back. And that increases. And I've decided in my life because I've seen that. Even I made that blunder. Very rarely I solve the issue by doing that. Mostly it caused greater problems. Phone, email or text messages. I know that in America anything that is there you communicate by email or text. But, but I don't think when it comes to offense you need to use that medium. It is better to go. Maybe you can call a person. Shall we have coffee together? Dining table is the best way. To really confront or share your hurt and, and the tone and the words and the body language. Everything you see in when we talk to the person directly. But our, but our email or text message, what do we see? Just the words and we are not great authors. Or else we would have become novelists. Isn't it? So poor words and that causes great problem. right? And also it is important that we pray to God for the offender. And also for ourselves, that we deal with the person with wisdom, love, and grace. And not be self-righteous in dealing with that. Because Galatians 6.1 says that, brothers, if anyone is caught in sin, how should we deal? It says that deal with gentleness. And even if it is rebuke or correction, it comes with a heart of gentleness, which is... Very important. Another important tip that I would like to give you is that don't be too quick or don't delay too much to address the issue. Find the right time. Don't be too quick and don't delay too much. Some people, you know, I've seen that. Two years back, brother, you said this. Who remembers what you said two years back? And they remember every word, every instant. It is like... Uh, you know, it, it, it is just a tape recorder or, 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 or a, just rewinding what has happened. But I don't remember anything. Never do that. Please. Too quick dealing with that, too much delay will really worsen the problem. We need to find the right moment by the wisdom of God. Right? And another thing that also we should be careful when we deal with the person is that it is always good to affirm your love and relationship when you talk to the person about the problem. I value your relationship. 
I care for our relationship and I'm concerned that this is becoming a problem and I don't want to entertain this because I love you, I love the relationship and I want to enjoy the relationship. It is good always to affirm rather than directly bringing criticism, right? And also, it is, all, it is also good to, you know, just share by asking questions for clarity. You know, when you said this, what did you actually mean? When you, when you spoke or behaved in this way, what is your intention? I'm, I'm sorry because I, I couldn't get that. And you're not directly coming to conclusions and telling, this is what you have said. This is your intention. This is your behavior. It is good to ask for clarity rather than coming to a conclusion. Hey, this is what I felt. What do you think about it? It's, a very, help, it's very helpful when we deal with that. And also express how you felt without accusing or attacking the person. It is always good to just share how you felt. Now, I felt hurt when I heard these words from you. You have hurt me is very attacking. You have done this to me. It is very assaulting. But this is how I felt. This is how I was hurt. It's more compassionate when we deal with that. And, uh, you know, if, if, a, if that person is not convinced when you share, you, can, you don't have to be, you know, give room for that person. Give time. Pray about it. Pray about it. Think about it. And, uh, and see how the Lord leads you in this matter. Right? Give room for the person. Because today he may deny that. Maybe after a week he will come and say that, I think what you said is true. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. Don't try to be sovereign. Let us believe in the sovereignty of God and allow him to do that. And if it is still not getting dealt with, what we can do is, as the Lord Jesus said, take another brother or sister to deal with that. Hey, please, can, and t- tell the person, inform the person beforehand. Can we involve another person maybe because we are not able to deal with that very wisely? Maybe Brother Steve can come and help us. And, and talking to Brother Steve, uh, Brother Steve, what do you think about this? This is what we have faced and uh, we, we are discussing, but we are not able to come to any agreement. And this is putting a strain in relationship. And all this is a mess, right? All To deal with this hurt, it's very easy to ignore. But this is how relationships are built. And we grow towards maturity, brothers and sisters. The way we deal with the conflicts help us either to mature or remain immature. The choice is ours. Do we want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit or not? And what is the first principle that we have learned? What is the first principle? Share your hurt with the person who offended you. The second is, I'm, I'm just quickly going through that, and the second one is, we need to examine ourselves and see, and if we have really hurt, I'm not talking about how other person should behave with you. Please understand this. I'm only talking about how you should deal with the, with the conflicts that you come across in your life. Your responsibility, not about this is how other person should deal with you. Okay? The first is that carry an attitude where you share your hurt if you are offended. And if you offend any person, the second pillar of unity that I've seen that does wonders is asking apology. Okay, asking apology. What is unbiblical reaction that people face when they know that they have hurt other person or when they have hurt the other person? 
what is the unbiblical reaction generally people manifest? When they hurt, we talked first about you getting hurt by others. You need to share your hurt. What if you hurt others? What is the unbiblical reaction? Yeah, excuse yourself or justify yourself. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah? You deserved it. <laughs> right? You deserved it. Embarrassment. Yeah? Right? And good response. We are very good in... Good responses are coming because that's what we do generally, right? <laughs> I did that many times. Yeah. False repentance. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Sometimes false repentance. Just, you know, someone asked actually, uh, what did you learn in America after visiting America? He said that everyone asks, how are you doing? And nobody stands to listen to the response. Right? It's a false care, right? So even, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry for whatever. You don't, some people, you know, when, when you have seen that, I, I had to tell some people, you know, brother, Please think about it before you apologize. Because even before you complete, oh, brother, I'm sorry about that. They don't even think actually about that. <laughs> False repentance. Yeah, that's true. Any other response? Self-justifying, hardness and all. And that, and that brings a lot of pressure in relationships. Have you heard some people, even maybe you have felt it that if you go and talk to the person, he will not accept it. Do you know that experience? It's very hard. It is good if other person is having that testimony. But it is not at all good if you and I have that testimony. <laughs> that it's very hard to go and talk to the person. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. What should be the biblical reaction? Here. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Can anyone read that? And let us follow through carefully. Matthew 5. 23 to 24. Yep. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, mm -hmm. and there remember that your brother has something against you, mm. leave your gift there before the altar and go. Mm. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Yeah. If someone has a problem with you, what should you do? What does the Bible, what, does, what did the Lord Jesus teach us? You take the initiation. First, you, you see the word here. First, be reconciled to your brother. Because that brother is having something against you. You hurt him. You hurt her. And we all do that. We receive hurt and we give hurt. When you receive hurt, go and talk to them about the problem. And when you hurt others... You go and reconcile, apologize, humble yourself, repent, and God will be pleased and relationships are strengthened. And I've seen that in my own life. When I went, I don't know to how many people I went and asked apology because of some offense that I have given to them. And I've seen that the relationship was strengthened even more before when there were no conflicts. That's the power of apology. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if there is one thing that hinders us from looking into our own flaws and going and reconciling, what is that? Pride. 
And let me tell you, we all have that. We all. I have cried. And it's very hard to go and humble myself and ask apology. But, the Lord, but if we love the Lord, if we are concerned about the Lord Jesus, and I'm telling you the only reason, I, I tell to people, you know, I'm a very arrogant person in the pla- on the planet Earth. Very arrogant. Before Christ, before believing in the gospel, I never remember myself humbling, going to another person and telling, please forgive me, I'm sorry. I never did that. I don't remember a single instance. But when I repented and believed in the power of the gospel, that the gospel has the power, the new covenant has the power to transform the heart. And one of the evidences of the new covenant community, the heart that has been transformed by the power of the cross, is that we humble ourselves and go to the people and ask them, please forgive me. And that is a miracle that we see in the world because this is not natural in unregenerated hearts. The Lord, um, we see that even in James chapter 5 verse 16. James chapter 5 verse 16. James chapter 5 verse 16. Shall we all read this together? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What does the Bible encourage here? Confess your do we practice this, brothers and sisters? This is one discipline that we don't do that. We confess our strengths to one another, right? <laughs> we confess our abilities to one another, gifts to one another, knowledge to one another. But sins, oh, <laughs> we don't want to do that. But as new covenant people, we need to really be humble. You know, why should we hide our sins? Why should we be, you know, I, I love what Jerry Bridges says that. He says that when you really believe in the power of what Christ has done for you on the cross, why do you hide your weaknesses? Why do you hide your sins? Why don't you repent and confess? Because Jesus has died for our sins. And there is no sin that Christ cannot forgive. And we should be bold enough. If there is any a person on the planet earth who is bold to go and ask apology, that is a child of God. You know why? Because he knows what Christ has done on the cross. It is those people who do not know the gospel, hide their weaknesses and sins because they are afraid of rejection. But we know that God loves us and accepts us. And we should be glad for that. You know, when, how many of you remember the unmerciful parable, the unmerciful servant, Matthew chapter 18? You remember, right? What is one common thing that you see in two servants? The first servant comes, right? And then the master forgives. The second servant comes to the first servant who was a master of the second servant and he doesn't show forgiveness. But what, is the, what are the two things? Why did the Lord Jesus held accountable the first person for not forgiving him? M- many of us, yeah, the, the essence of the parable is that he did not forgive. But we should also understand that God held this man accountable to forgive him because the second servant fell at his feet and pleaded for forgiveness. 
Imagine that if the second servant never came to the master, the first servant, and didn't repent, and he would come and say that, hey, you received forgiveness from your master. You should also do that to me, demanding forgiveness. Do you think that the Lord Jesus might have told the parable to hold the first servant accountable for not forgiving the person? No. Because the second servant is too arrogant, demanding forgiveness. The reason why God held him because he fell at his feet, he pleaded for forgiveness, but he did not offer forgiveness. So when I look at the parable of the unmerciful servant, I don't just see forgiveness. I also see apology. I also see pleading for forgiveness. I also see asking and begging for forgiveness. He fell at the feet and asking forgiveness for which he did not offer forgiveness. Right? And, and we see also here that Romans chapter 12 verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. And how do you live peaceably with all? It is by, one of the ways that we live peaceably with all is by offering, is by asking apology. So I'm telling you that this is very difficult. I'm telling you that one of the most difficult thing in Christian life is to go to the person and asking the person, please forgive me for that. And, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, and I want to tell you that I know that in, in, in our culture, I'm sorry is very, very common. Right, both in the unbelieving world and in the Christendom. But I am encouraging you, don't ever, and this is my, it is good for us to be biblical in the way that we offer language. Because I am sorry is very superficial and very shallow. The most difficult thing is to go to the person and asking, please forgive me. And I think we should remove I am sorry from our dictionary when we deal with one another, because we are new covenant community, we are children of God, we follow the Bible, we don't follow the cultural terminology. We follow the biblical standard and the Bible says that the way, the words that we should be using is repentance and forgiveness, which is even deeper than saying I'm sorry. Right? And the final pillar. What is the first pillar? Share your hurt when you are offended. And the second pillar, ask apology when you offend. Now, now hear this carefully, brothers and sisters. One of the best ways to cultivate a pleasing personality. Now, uh, generally, you know, I'm a very uh, strong personality. My, my nature is very strong personality, right? That is how am I. Now, strong personality doesn't mean it's ne not necessarily, uh, you know, you're, you're hurting people, aggressive and all, but that is what I am. And I know my weakness, and one of, the one of the things that I constantly do with the people I'm very close, even before our church, and I stand in the pulpit and I tell this, if you see any time that I have offended any person, please come and talk to me. I would be very grateful. And I don't want to justify myself. I want to ask your apology if I really did that. That is what I tell constantly to my community because I know my weakness. And I tell constantly to the people who are close to me because I don't want them to be afraid to approach me. I want them to feel comfortable when they are offended by me. And there are people, because of my constant saying this, they came to me and they shared, you spoke that word that was very offensive or you, you behaved in this way, it was very offensive. 
And in most cases, only because of the gospel of Christ, I humble myself and I ask them, please forgive me for that. I will not repeat it. If you find me again doing that, please let me know. That would help me to become like Christ. And I constantly tell people, if you want to help me to become like Christ, please come and tell me where I have fallen. That would help me to know my sin and confess to you and grow in Christ-likeness. Don't hinder my Christ-likeness by hiding to confront me. Please help me in this matter. And we should constantly say this because in our culture it is not easy for people to approach us by constantly saying people are encouraged to come and share with you. Right? Finally, this is what I would say. And this is, I don't need to say this much because uh, this is uh, well spoken. And what is that? Wholehearted forgiveness. What is the third pillar? Wholehearted forgiveness. That is, the first thing is sharing your herd. And the second thing is asking apology. And the third thing is offering forgiveness. Offering forgiveness. And the Bible speaks so much about it. Ephesians 4.32. Shall we all read this together? Um, Ephesians 4.32. Shall we all read this together? Two, three, two, one. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And what does the Bible say here? Why there is a need of forgiveness? When the Bible says forgive one another, why does it say? Because we cause offense to each other and there is a need for Forgiveness. And what is the basis for our forgiveness of each other? What is the basis? Jesus Christ. The gospel is the basis. As God in Christ forgave you. Right? Colossians 3, 13. Shall we all read this together? Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another. Okay, please turn the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm reading too quickly. Colossians 3.13. Yeah. I'm only reading the second part. Oh, yeah. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Is forgiveness an option for a Christian? It is mandatory. And there is a caution here in Luke 23 verse 34. Shall we all turn quickly? Um, Luke 23, verse 20, 34. Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I am sorry, I am sorry. Not this one. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. Yeah, that was a good one. But a caution, actually, I said. <laughs> but this is not a caution. That's a very good thing, actually. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 to 15. There is a caution here. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. Yeah? Let's read together. 3, 2, 1. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What is the caution here? If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. 
I love what John Piper said that John Piper said that if you are a merciless person, you meet a merciless God. If you are a merciless person, you meet a merci- merciless God. And I'm and I think that this should really cause some fear in our hearts, healthy fear that we should able to forgive others and not hold the grudge against them in our hearts because God himself has forgiven us. One thing that I constantly tell people is that compared to the sins that you have committed, when, when I ask them, you know, can you tell what the people have done, that particular person I've done, they will tell, they have a record actually. They easily tell, how many times? Okay, one, two, three, four. They can count actually. And the next question I ask them is, how many sins you have committed against God? They'll say countless. Countless. Compared to the sins that you have committed against God, what people have done are nothing. (laughs) But think about how God is merciful towards us. How much God is forgiving towards us. Shouldn't we extend that forgiveness to people? And some people will say that, how many times should I forgive others? When God stops forgiving you, that's the end of your forgiveness. But if God doesn't stop forgiving you, we shouldn't stop forgiving others. So brothers and sisters, these are the three pillars of unity. Sharing your hurt, asking apology, offering forgiveness. If we carry these three disposition and practice in our lives, we live a beautiful Christian life, we grow towards spiritual maturity, we will be conformed to Christ-likeness and we live as salt and light of the world. Or else, lifelong, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we live a mature life, never bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.